this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Oh, sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie and Added on the Popcorn, the Popcorn Talk Popcorn Network. Network. And I'm being introduced to the Popcorn Ding. Talk Network again. Uh, what's up? How's everybody doing? This is Action Movie Anatomy. Uh, I'm Ben Bateman, your is host. Moby. This is Moby. This is Moby. <laughs> the song that plays in the end credits of, of the film The Born Identity, which happens to be the film that we are doing today on the show. I'm joined today by my excellent, wonderful, lovely, as many adjectives as I can fit into one sentence, co-host Mr. Andrew Guy. What's up, buddy? I love this movie. I'm very very excited to talk about it. I'm also very excited that, uh, you know, Miss Stryer's back. She's back. Roxy's back on the panel, guys. I never thought it would happen. I didn't think I'd be invited back, but finally I got that phone call. We yeah. literally could not find we anyone else. We never invited you back. <laughs> <laughs> you called 15 people said, who likes Born? Nobody, Nobody took it, so, you know. Yeah, well, we know you've been on the waiting list for a while, and we ran through all the candidates, and, yeah. you know, they had various appointments today, so. And I've been telling you that I want to do this movie because I love it so much. It's a really good one. It's yeah. Very, I mean, this movie is not aged at all. I love it. It was a game changer in 02, and actually watching it now, I really felt like it hadn't yeah it, i mean it definitely it feels There's like the parts two, of it it feels like the 2000s which is really funny to say like it like a lot of the style and the music and the tone definitely felt like a different time period yeah but not in a bad way like a time capsule in the way that you watch like a great movie like the french connection or something from the 70s and you're like this is still awesome or the godfather hasn't aged but it's the same thing in all those movies where things like sound editing has has, has gotten better and like you know chase yeah. scenes and stunts and like actual stunt coordination has gotten just a little bit better definitely Absolutely, and then there were some random actors that I forgot were in this movie altogether, and then mm. rewatching it, I was like, holy crap, I love that person. I totally forgot that it was Clive Owen. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I just 100% forgot. Look yeah. what can make you give. It's one of my favorite lines yeah. in the whole movie. And Gabriel Mann, who's on Revenge, and I covered that show for After Us, and he was in this, and I was like, oh my god, that's where I knew him from. What role does he play? Uh, he's, uh, he plays the assistant, he's blonde. He's oh, got, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 He's, he's really, really talented, though, and he's the lead on Revenge, so I was like, oh my god, I saw him before, and I never even knew. I don't even watch Revenge, so I don't know that. Is it a good show? Should well, I you're missing it? out. I've heard uh, good things about it. Yeah, towards the end, it kind of went, went. All right. Went, went. 
Anyway, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to the show. We do action movies on this show, and today is The Born Identity. The movies that we do on the show have to adhere to four basic rules. Sometimes we jump outside the rules. I mean, occasionally. We try our best to stick with them, but, you know, we don't always succeed. Those four rules are, number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people or things or beings in the room. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. And lastly, rule number four, there was at least one explosion. I feel like you just described my life a little. Right. <laughs> You're like an action hero. She is. That's how I'm feeling right now. Yeah? Mm. It's by our own rules. You wore your action hero jacket. I, this thing is sweet. You know, it's just kind of my daily jacket that I borrowed from my room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that was my life, so you know I'm ready to talk about it from firsthand experience. Yeah, so let's cue the trailer. We can talk about uh, we can talk about badasses who. This is not a good trailer. Did you watch it? <laughs> it's it's yeah. I mean, like it's compared to what good. trailers can be, uh, it's not great. With the VL. Ooh. Well, like I was thinking about how they would make a trailer now about like a super badass agent that wakes up with amnesia. Yeah, and it would be like really kind of startling at the beginning, and he'd like be in a bank saying something, and then he'd like do something really badass and be like an awesome caption, and you'd be totally intrigued. And like this one is like, he has all the skills of an agent. Yeah, he was a gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I if I watched this now, I would not be stoked for this movie. It doesn't do it justice in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I guess it's a different time period. I, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's long enough that yeah, I can I can kind of excuse it. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not. It does not do it justice. I mean, all. if you think about the movies that were coming out in the three or four years prior, with like people of his generation, like you, you had like Ben Affleck and Reindeer Games is a great example of a movie that I can remember the trailer for, where you're like, that's a horrible trailer for a horrible movie, and it's right. over dramatic. And obviously, this was like a much bigger production than Reindeer the Sum Games. Sum of All Fears was another yeah. one that was just horrible. But those are the movies that you're, you have to put in the same genre of trailer because, like, their drama is driven by heartthrobs in the prime of their young career. Didn't he also do Changing Lanes like, yeah. right around then? Uh-huh. Oh, that was a really rough time for that poor guy. Affleck, yeah. Oh, yes, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. Just what a know, bummer. Right? Yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. His career. Well, he swung back around, right? I watched The Town last night. Did you? I'd love that movie. It's a really good movie. It's so good. Yeah. He's kind of winning in the Affleck Damon battle now. Yeah. I want to hear the Boston accents coming from you guys. You know, I'm an expert in yeah. all things Boston. Fucking Tony. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was okay. That was all right. Subpar. I'm nervous. Am I making you nervous? You make me nervous. Because oh. <laughs> of the get, jacket. Don't, don't get too nervous, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, danger. danger. Yeah, it's just like... As it just goes across the... Is. is. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous oh, Yeah, I mean, they make it look like a, a B-movie. Right, exactly. It definitely looks inexpensive. Yeah. It definitely does. And it actually was inexpensive for its time. Relatively, absolutely. Yeah. It, like, went, it went over budget a little bit, but not, not bad. You watch that trailer, and you want it to be like, The Born Identity... Where you are the endangered species, yeah, like, the, exactly. like the Congo like trailer, horrible, horrible tagline. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, 
I'm really uh, glad I didn't remember this trailer, and I'm glad I watched the movie first. Yeah, yeah it wasn't uh, it wasn't very impressive. So, guys, we're going to get into uh, our bold statements, which we start the show with. So, every one of the hosts here, we, we come up with a, a strong idea that kind of sells what we think about this movie, maybe a moment in time or a strong opinion. It should never be like, I feel this is my favorite. It should be this is the greatest or this is the first or blah, 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 something like that. We will then share our favorite our uh, fist pump moment, which is that moment where you're on the couch and you're looking around. Is anybody else seeing this? This is so awesome. Um, but before we do that, I do want to mention you guys should please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, keep us high in the ratings. It helps people find the show. We have Action Movie Anatomy mugs that we ordered that are on the way. And we are going to start giving them away to fans. So I have made this extremely overcomplicated in the last few weeks. But if you're watching the show now, this is the deal. Once we have 10 unique reviews on iTunes, once we have 10, only 10, we will start raffling off those mugs in a way that we see fit, and you guys will get them. So get us to 10. Give us those ratings and reviews. All you got to do is you go to iTunes, you search Action Movie Anatomy, you find it, rate it, leave a review, and we will get you guys a mug if you win the raffle or whatever it is, the drawing. It's a random drawing However raffle. we do it. Ooh, this was a simplification? That was it. All you guys do is review We're going to play Russian roulette. We're going to write all your names on a bullet, Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, and on top of that, please, guys, check out the other shows on the Popcorn Talk Network. We have Anatomy of a Movie this Friday. They're going to be reviewing uh, Agent 47 and American Ultra. So if you like our show, uh, they do great movie reviews themselves. And, and call me. Call me. And oh. Roxy has a show. She does. I, I do. I do DC Movie News on Thursdays at 2.45 Pacific Time. It's the best. If you like all things DC, we're talking about it. And also, of course, before us is Marvel. And they're great, too. <laughs> Good show. They are. And she They're great. I love Marvel. Marvel movie back news. In hour. So let's get back to the Born Identity, guys. Let's start off with with uh, with bold statements, thesis statements. What do you guys got? Please. Oh, oh, okay. No, you go. All right, ladies first. Marie's psychotic behavior is the driving force for the action in this film. Marie's psychotic behavior yeah. is the driving force for the action in this film? Yep. Is she psychotic? Yeah, she's psychotic. Defend yourself, Stryer. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to defend myself throughout, but right now. You think about this. She's standing there. She's causing a huge scene, first of all. That's how we see her. We're introduced like that. Then she goes outside. She lets a stranger in her car, a stranger she's well aware, is running from the cops for the $10,000. She barely blinks, maybe for a second. Then she decides to stay with him, even though he says many times that she should run, that she should leave. She says, no, no, no. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay with you because that's the smart play. The cops know I don't trust them. You, this guy that I met a little bit ago. So that moves it forward. Then he makes this whole plan for her. And instead of doing it, she just flirts her way to the top. It seemed like mm-hmm. she'd done that one or, once or twice before. So that was a little <laughs> psycho, too, because sometimes bitches be cray. And, be cray. And then She's when a she, gypsy. Yeah, when she finally decides gypsy. to run and she gets pissed, there was that whole thing where she sees her name on that paper. And she already had seen her name or her face on the paper. So why was that the moment? And when somebody broke into his apartment, she just stood there and watched. She didn't oh, yeah. even run then during the pen fight everything she did was why this movie happened if she hadn't it wouldn't have happened you know I when I was watching this movie yesterday I had this moment where the way that she plays this character it's it it's endearing and it's not too much yeah because like with someone like that it's like oh like like she's like a starstruck lover like she can't help herself but it, it seems like in a lot of movies when that happens it comes off very fake right and hollow uh, in this movie for some reason it's believable enough. I like what she does enough. So I can agree with that. I can believe that, I mean, psychotic, I guess you gotta be a psycho to do all that stuff. Well, she's obviously, she's obviously, like, completely lost in her life and has nothing. Yeah, she'll do she any gravitates towards this one, like, dramatic narrative. She's following it because she gets hooked on Jason Bourne and that's, like, the only constant is, like, this one character. He's, like, this very intense character. She gets hooked right. on it. She just falls into the story. But, I mean, I guess I don't really argue that she's crazy. I didn't really ever think about it, but... 
yeah, I mean, she does have to be pretty crazy to not, like, get the hell away from it immediately. Absolutely. And he never would have gotten to Paris without her. He wouldn't have been able to do all of these things. And by the way, what did she register her store under that he was so easy to find her? Like, Marie's Scooters? I'm baffled. <laughs> he's uh, Jason Bourne. He's he Jason Bourne. Isn't she supposed to run? Isn't she supposed to not be found? How did he look that up? He's Jason Bourne, Roxy. He can do anything. He could find us right now. Yeah. She's Easily. psycho. She's a little psycho. <laughs> she is. Uh, okay, so of all the Bond, Bourne, Ryan movies, Mission Impossibles that have come out, I, I kind of negate Mission Impossible because they're always it's always a team of people. Sure. Uh, that have come out in my lifetime. I believe this is the most well-written of all of them. This Gilroy, movie. Gilroy's a boss. Gilroy's a boss. It's believable. It's got enough drama. The the dialogue is so clean. It's so tight. Like, between Cooper and Cox. There's that great exchange. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's everything's believable enough. And I just really like the way they execute all of it. Like, it, it's just enough action. It's just enough drama. It's just deep enough to where you're invested, but you're not bored. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's incredibly well written. No, it's really tightly plotted. I definitely think so. And, and when you watch this and you compare it to all the things you're talking about... I mean, I'll jump on that and I'll go into mine as well. And we can compare the two because it's pretty related. Mm-hmm. What I said is that this, even if they didn't realize it, was the continuation of the Jack Ryan franchise. Because the the Ryan franchise was all about this character that was, in the 90s, played by Harrison Ford and, and once by Alec Baldwin. It was all about this character who was like, you know, maybe a little morally ambiguous. You kind of He played by his own rules for sure, but he had the country's security at heart. And, and that's what people bought into. But he was like this very rogue guy that worked by himself. Worked for the CIA, super smart, super capable. And they tried to make a Jack Ryan movie in 02 with Matt Damon's contemporary, Ben Affleck, called right. The Sum of All Fears. And it was terrible, and nobody yes. wanted to see it. This movie came out the same year, much more intelligent, much like darker, and it worked. And it became a franchise. And it was, even though he's an anti hero who kills people for a living. Yeah, it's interesting you find that out. Yeah. It's like he, in MacGruber when he tells the story of yeah. like when they met, and you find out MacGruber's <laughs> actually the bad guy in the story. Right. It's exactly this. <laughs> But like you don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't make you dislike the character. And you, you, he has that superhuman quality that Jack Ryan always had. Of mm-hmm. he can do anything. You complete. But it's not like Ethan Hunt or James Bond, where he's like a super agent. Yeah, and he's going to be in a tuxedo with a with a cigarette or something like that, drinking <laughs> whiskey. It's like it's really not that character. No, it's much. It's it's much more of like the everyman. Even yeah. though he he is in he's, he is a superhuman essentially. Yeah. But he is more of like the everyman hero. Absolutely. He opens up to her. He explains. He's kind of a cool dude. You know, he doesn't have that weird, mysterious facade going on. I mean, he's very honest about his vulnerability. Yeah. And that's what drives, again, that and Marie drive the whole story. Yeah, I mean, because they, and they tried Jack Ryan again with Chris Pine a few Mm -hmm. years ago. Shadow Recruit. Also medium. Wasn't successful, Mm -mm. but there's two more Bourne movies on the horizon. One with Matt Damon and one with Jeremy Renner. Mm -hmm. Which, it's interesting about, and since we're going to get into star profiles in a minute, this is something to, to talk about. You look at Jeremy Renner's career and you think about the Hurt Locker and you think about Hawkeye and him doing uh, the town. The town. He's not, and you look at the numbers, which obviously we'll get into that as well. I think that he is just behind where Matt Damon was to people. Yeah. Even though Matt Damon wasn't an action hero yet at all, you look at the numbers and how unsuccessful Legacy was. Yeah. And you look at how successful Identity was. And yeah. they're both at the beginning of their careers, basically, of these becoming massive A-list superstars. It's interesting that Renner's star is not shining as bright. I don't know if he's behind, because he's got a lot of TV creds, too. He's got a lot of fans out there, and he's he's reached a lot of different audiences. And I feel like Matt had... Yeah, he had, he had done Goodwill, and he had done his uh, action movies, but I, I think they're pretty much on the same level. I think this is going to really 
I, got kicked out. I honestly thought that Renner was ahead of Damon. Oh, but I thought you were saying he was no. I, no, I, he is because when you look at the numbers, people did not go watch Jamie Renner as Jason Bourne. Yeah, well, I mean that could be for any number of factors. But let's let's guess. Let's get into star profiles in one second here. I do want to get fist pump moment out of the way, mm-hmm. just so we can talk about the moments that we think are the absolute most awesome in this movie. So as we said, guys, fist pump moment is that moment when you're watching the movie and you just your head kind of wants to explode. You have kind of a silent like, yes, this is sweet, and you want to share it with someone, um, even if you don't get to, even if you don't even make a sound. It's just like a trigger in your head. So what what was it? For you guys what's that moment for me it was when he was asleep on the bench and the cops come over and he yeah like that second he grabs the pipe and you look at his face and he's, he's like, like holy crap i didn't know what i was about to do yeah. holy that to me was like yes we're starting so strong and it's so funny you say that right because when you think about watching this movie the first time this is one of those movies where because it is a little bit of a thriller it's a bit of a mystery mm-hmm. and you don't know what's going on at first I remember that happening in theaters when I watched it the first time, and you're so charged, you're so excited. Well, you have no idea what this yeah. dude is capable of, and then it goes into the bank, and then the embassy scene shortly thereafter, and you're like, "Okay, did you see what he just did to those cops?" Right now, the alarm's going off. What? What's the he gonna hell do now? is about to happen? But Absolutely. whatever it is, gonna be awesome. Can you imagine reading the script? I'll bet you reading the script before the movie got made, you would be so engaged so fast because. Gilroy's a great writer, so it's yeah. it's paced very well. And the stuff at the beginning with him on the boat and and finding the thing in his neck and the like, you're like, oh, this is interesting. It's a cool. Who is this guy? And then he does the thing on the bench. You're probably like, God, what is going to happen next? It's different. The first time going through this, you're like, oh my gosh, I really didn't yeah. know he was about to regain that memory yeah. or that muscle memory. So cool, and I loved his facial expression. And also, I just hated those cops. Yeah. he was asleep on a bench. Leave, Leave him, him alone. alone. Yeah, Leave right. him alone. He's not doing anything. I love when he also they say something and he. He starts speaking to him, I think, in Dutch. And he's he, and you, that, there's also that kind of look on his face like, okay, I'm speaking Dutch now. Yeah, he right. does that like a few times in the movie where he just starts speaking another language. And you're yeah. like, okay, awesome. If you could be Treadstone, like if you could go through the training program, would you do it? I mean... For $30 million? It seems like that's what the... Like you'd be able to I feel speak like I've like, already kind of gone through it. <laughs> like, you get to speak 17 languages. You are a lethal weapon. You're deadly. Yeah. You can, like, kill anyone. You can run flat out for a half mile before your hands start shaking. Like, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I get too attached to people to become a rogue agent. Yeah, probably true. Oh. I like friends. I would kick... Ass. As oh a rogue my, agent? I just told you you described my life. Yeah, I could do it when I... Yeah. Have you people seen this jacket? <laughs> yeah, I work out, you know. You know. Uh, What's my your fist pump moment? I have a couple, okay. and I don't want to steal one from you, so I think I'm going to go with the other one. Okay. Uh, but you're trying to guess his, so you're going to go with the other? Well, yeah, we happen to have a moment. watch movies together sometimes, like uh, these movies. The pen fight. Yeah, the pen fight's great. The pen fight moment is one of those things where you're like, okay, this dude is such a badass. And then the guy's got... This guy is also a Treadstone agent. Right. An assassin. Uh, and you see him, he's got the knife, and they're fighting. He keeps trying to get the knife out of his hand. He's like, okay, what? And he just grabs his pen. And you see him, like, put the pen down by his side. Yeah. And you're like, he is going to destroy someone with that pen. I don't know how he's going to do it, but it's going to be sweet. And then you kind of hear, like, the... Yeah. You know, and you hear the guy kind of, like, groan. And then he stands up. He's got like six pen holes in him, right? And he pulls it out of his out hand. Of his hand. Oh, so awesome! Yeah, super gnarly. Can we talk about for a second how like how like nineties Euro that guy is? By the way, uh, all he's the guy. Got, everyone's so nineties like Euro. The, he's got like the X on his shirt, and he's got like the dyed blonde hair. As he looks he, like, like he's supposed to be like a discotheque, drinking right. like Smirnoff Ice or something Five like that. Shadow. And then yeah. he pool dives out of the window, and you're like, yeah. absolutely, he was. Yeah. My my only problem with that fist pump moment is that my fist had to leave when. We finally go downstairs and we see that this woman is dead, but the he had come poor through. Grandma. Yeah, but he had come through the window. It was such a weird thing. Maybe he went like through. Like he went and through the house. Cle- yeah, and cleared he it left. first. 
I don't know. That was bizarre. Uh, yeah. If you're going to break through the window, how long have you been standing at that window? How did you go kill that woman? So I was like, yeah. And then I was like, hmm. uh, Product <laughs> went downstairs, killed her, scaled the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I like Marie's Reasonable. response. She's like, sure. Uh, yeah, sure. He he went out the window. Why would someone do go that? Out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Psychotic. All right, um, totally fist psycho. Yeah. My fist bump is when they go to her stepbrother's house. Uh, and he's like, with the dog's gone? Does that ever happen? And he's like, no, never. He'd never miss a, a meal. Always something, right? And it's like, pause. And like Damon looks at him and he's like, get in the basement. Get in the basement now. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. I mean, it's not my favorite line, but it's my favorite moment. Just because... Yeah. And, and your I, family are in danger, get in the basement. And I love it because she's she now she knows. Marie's like, do what he says. Trust yeah. me. He's like, I'm sorry, you're in danger, get in the basement. And I love that he just it takes him like 18 seconds to find the shells, to find, find the, the gun. gun. Yeah, amazing moment. Yeah, and he goes out in the woods. I love it. This is the th- it's, it's the only thing I remember from watching it as a kid. The most is he shoots in the air and the birds fly off, mm-hmm. and Clive owns out and like you're like you're done, dude. He's he gonna it. take you out. Yeah. Like he's got you, and he just he hits them the once, and then he starts to crawl away, and he turns, he just point blank shotgun. Yeah, it's amazing because it like. He's got this highly sophisticated sniper rifle, handgun. He's got the positioning on him. He's hiding in a field, and Damon hunts him down with a rusty old double barrel shotgun. Doesn't even take him a second. Not even a second. Incredible moment too, as he's sitting there. This is what we do. We work alone. All that. That whole scene was great. What are you, Paris? Yeah. What are you? Right. He's like Paris, Germany, whatever. Right. This is why I actually would be bad at this though, because I was still while he's outside doing all this and everything awesome is going on. I'm still thinking. The poor dad and kids. Right. He's in the basement. You don't want to look like that guy to your kids. And that's what I'm saying. You're feeling all emotional. I right. can't even concentrate on the action. I'm not talking about the dog. It's National Dog Day today. It is, and, right? Yeah. yeah. Dog's gone. Sorry, dog. I know. That was really uh, sad. My other fist pump moment was when he looks over and they're about to do the car chase scene. And he's telling her, he's like, you need to go. You need to leave. This is it. And he goes, this is your la- This is the last chance. Yeah. And she just buckles her seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. You think she might reach for the door? And yeah. Then- it's a good yeah. one. Great. Yeah, definitely. All right, that was excellent. more like a gun noise. It meant to be a, a seatbelt. She puts on her seatbelt. The seatbelts in my car have like a special sound effect. When I click it, it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just it's the car it's really good. Me yeah. too. Customize yeah. it at the Honda dealership. Mm-hmm. It's a Dodge Neon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a Dodge Stratus. Uh, all right, guys. That's the uh, that's our fist bump moments. Let's talk star profiles a little bit. So yeah. we, we started to get into this a little bit with Matt Damon. Um, we went with Damon and Chris Cooper for these. And you you could have gone uh, Franca. I didn't write her last name down. Franca. I have it. I have it. Uh, <laughs> I have it. Keep talking. Potente. And- Fraka yeah, Patenta. Yeah, exactly. Thank so, you, Marissa. Marissa. We'll give her a quick honorable mention before we get into Cooper and <laughs> Cooper and Damon. But the the reason that we that we decided not to go with her is because essentially she's run Lola Run. She's run Lola Run and she's Marie from Born Identity. Mm-hmm. And and in another country, she's obviously more popular than that. But as far as American audiences go, that's what she's recognized for. And the reason she's in this movie is because of Run Little Run. Right. That's been that's part of why this movie was even made was because of Run Little Run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doug Liman wanted to make a movie that was inspired by that. Yep. So he started to adapt the, the the famous novel. And so um I just didn't feel like it was particularly relevant. She still works, by the way, a ton. She works in television, she's still she's still relevant. She's absolutely a working actress, she just isn't as big of a star profile, doesn't have right. a bigger profile as Matt and Chris do. Yeah, yeah because Cooper the movies the time, that Cooper has been in. It's and that was absurd. That was like the apex too. That was like yeah. the best. So let's start with Matt Damon. So, so Matt Damon, ninety eight, right? He does he does Goodwill Hunting, gets on everybody's radar. He and he and Affleck, and then the next few years, he's oh, sort of movie. he's My trying to movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic movie. He's trying to establish himself as an A lister. So you know you've got talented Mr. Ripley in ninety nine, which he's really great in. And mm-hmm. that, they made yeah. a lot of money actually. Yeah, <clears throat> and I actually kind of feel like prepped him for this role. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and he's. 
it's still probably his best role, honestly, dramatically. Like, it's still... Nah, no, dude. Good, good Will you Hunting is better. That's, that's yeah. fair. I agree, but completely different. It yeah. is, actually. Because Good Will Hunting, you, when you watch it, you're like, is this kid just a kid from Boston playing a kid from Boston? Right. Yeah. Right, it's not the same as this, but, you know. That's totally fair, yeah. I mean, I could go in that Yeah. But, but Ripley's a great role. And, and yes. in terms of, like, depth and everything, dramatic depth, it's the one that he tackles that I still think he executes the most masterfully. It's, it's a weirder character. Mm-hmm. So... All the Pretty Horses, obviously, it's a star vehicle. It's a book adaptation. Penelope Cruz, she's in her prime as well. Didn't really hit. Nobody really liked it. It wasn't like a very well-received movie. I've seen portions of it on television a bunch of times. I've never really wanted to watch it. Yeah. And then in Ocean's Eleven in 01, which... I that's, love this movie. Well, so it's Ocean's great. Eleven is really the one... That's the movie even before this that was like, this guy's a total A-lister. Because mm-hmm. Good Will Hunting, nobody knew who he was before that. But when you're next to Brad Pitt and, and George, George Clooney, Clooney... And you're holding your own... And we saw that movie in theaters. That was like the movie. Yeah. It was the movie. Absolutely. That entire cast. If, you, if you're if you in that movie, you know you've made it Absolutely. to a certain extent. And I just feel like Matt Damon, a lot of times in the conversation, he does get missed. He does get skipped over. And this was like, all right, we're not skipping over him anymore. Yeah. He's the dude. Yeah. So what's really interesting about that is if you look at he and Affleck, and Affleck the previous few years, just a quick comparison, you know, he had done Pearl Harbor, right? He had done Armageddon. Uh, he was he was working. I would say in some ways he was a bit more of a commercial A-lister. Well, it looked like he was going to just go through the roof. Like he was just going to be the man of the, yeah. of the of the duo. And for a few years there, he kind of was. I mean, Pearl Harbor is a massive movie. Huge. It's so funny how with their, their careers going up and down, people always reference Goodwill Hunting and who was the smarter one who actually wrote it yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it was like for the longest time when Affleck did Geely and Some mm-hmm. of All Fears and Changing Lanes are like, okay, well, that guy's... A, they even like made fun of him on South Park. Right. And, I mean, on uh, Family Guy and just called him a moron, essentially. Right. And then all of a sudden, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, yeah. you know, the Argo. You're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Swung back around a little bit, for sure. Quite a bit. So, yeah... Ocean's Eleven, and then he follows it up with Bourne. And Bourne's totally unexpected, really, career-wise. It wasn't, like, the turn that I think most people expected to see out of Matt Damon. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of people didn't want him to be cast in the first place because they felt like he had such a baby face for mm-hmm. this role. And that He's he very young, so which young. he does. When you see those pictures on his passport, you're like, oh, my God, dude, you're so young. Exactly, yeah. and as we get into more of the movies, he does bulk up a little bit, and he becomes less baby face. But how did you guys feel about his casting in this? Well, I mean, he's obviously great. It, you know, with the role is offered to a handful of different guys, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone being one of them, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt being one of them, yeah, guys that turned it down. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's it's fitting because Doug Lyman had never done an action film. You know, and we'll talk about director in a second, but Lyman was really a drama guy. So for for him to cast Damon at the point that he was in his career, I think does make sense mm-hmm. to take. What a I like about Matt Damon in this role, and I don't know how much of this went into casting, is you look at him and he's non-threatening. He doesn't look like that yeah. suave, smooth, like, I'm going to kick your ass guy. He yeah. looks like a baby-faced kid. You see this guy walk through security, you're like, yeah, whatever. This guy couldn't do anything. Right. You know? And and he looks like he's like 12. So, I, I mean, I don't know how much that played in the actual casting of the movie, but the fact that he looks the part to not be threatening, to be a super right. assassin... I think it's perfect. And then to make his actions believable, which they were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he he was adamant about doing all the training and being and doing his own fights and most of his stunts. Not like the driving and things like that, but, right. but most of the fights take, he did do. He took the driving classes, too. He yeah. started taking a bunch yeah. of different... Uh, taking lessons everywhere. So, yeah, props mm-hmm. to him. Trained for like three months for it. That's like your guy, Cruz. He's always driving and well, taking lessons and stuff, even, you know? We can't compare anybody to Cruz. <laughs> no, no, nobody compares. You can. But, uh, <laughs> you can. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. But, yeah, so... Oh, too and then going forward from this you'd think that he blew up immediately after this that he was uh, like the guy that we know Matt Damon to be now 
Uh, but it actually took a few years still, because the next five years up until he did Ultimatum, the third in the franchise, he really wasn't in much. I mean, he was in some bad movies. I believe Stuck on You was in the next couple years. Is that movie bad? <laughs> but, you know, 07 was like Syriana, and then it's those movies the years after that, the ones that really, I guess, the kind of roles he was getting. A movie like Invictus is a great example of the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, okay, a Clint Eastwood movie starring Morgan Freeman. It's a biopic. He's doing an accent, right? Right. That's, He's doing an accent. <laughs> It's just a different Oscar kind of bait. movie. Yeah. Oscar bait, exactly. So, call that. So, now let's get into Chris Cooper. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say about Matt Damon. I want to be Chris Cooper's career. He's so awesome. And yeah. this time period, like, we'll, we'll reference the three most relevant prior American Beauty, 99. I think we all know that role. Yeah. Me, myself, and Irene in 2000, a movie that I've still never seen, which is funny because. You've never seen it? That movie's no. hilarious. Yeah, I should. It's so we'll good. Get, we'll get on that. It's Fairly Brothers. I love it. Uh, the Patriot, another movie I've never seen, oddly enough. Again, love that movie. Great yeah. movie. Uh, but people do like it. And then the, the same year, but it came out the next, it came out in 03 actually in January or February was Adaptation. Yes. Which <laughs> I think he won, he won the an Oscar, Oscar for. for it. Yes. Uh, which is an incredible role. Um, yeah. And an incredible movie. Yeah. And he's, I, in some ways, I wish that he hadn't died at the end of this movie. Because I wish that he had shown back up in the later films. Yeah, like instead of bringing Landy back, and instead of bringing that other Weasley guy back, like yeah. they do from Ultimatum to Legacy and yeah. and, and Supremacy Ultimatum, it, it, I, I wish Chris Cooper would stay in this franchise. I couldn't agree more, and I found it incredibly anticlimactic the way that they killed him. Right, in this movie. at least have Bourne kill him. Right, you know? it, right. It just kind of happened, and you're left sitting there feeling what did i just miss how did that just happen yeah. he's supposed to be the big bad or whatever and then he's on our team and i feel like there wasn't closure if this hadn't gotten a sequel that to me would have been a huge disaster yeah. because i wouldn't have known what happened with him he he's so great he is a character actor he's so strong uh i every time he's in a movie i'm like okay i can breathe easy knowing that you're going to just knock this out of the park right. and i don't have to worry i don't have to sit there wondering if you'll do yeah. okay he's really talented and don't get me wrong, I love Brian Cox. Yeah. And you find out that he's Fantastic. the one that, that orchestrated it, and he's the bad guy in number two. But yeah. if the two of them were together still, it'd be great. But, you know, I'm going to go back to one of our rules, and we talk about how the hero and villain are always the smartest people in the room. Do you really feel at any point that Chris Cooper is the smartest per- person in the room, or do you feel like he's just trying to play catch-up the whole movie? But I, I feel like no matter what, when you're fighting Jason Bourne, you're trying to play catch-up. Well, so that actually speaks to an interesting point of the writing. Because we, we mentioned the scene when we were watching it where he's on the bridge. And he says, you know, the bridge, at whatever, Pont Neuf or yeah, something like face, that. Face, face east, come yeah. alone. Take your jacket off. Cooper shows up and, you know, he's like, I thought I told you to come alone. Now I'm gone. Yeah. And Cooper's like, ah, we blew it. It's like, how did you not see that coming? Of course he was going to know you weren't alone. He knows more than you. Like, why would you think that you could bring people and he wouldn't see it? Right. Also, if you're planning on bringing people and you're facing east and you know exactly what this space looks like, then have your people try to locate where he could see you from if you're facing east. <laughs> don't don't have him standing next to you on the bridge. Like, he's just going to walk up to you and be like, hey, I'm Jason Bourne. Right. People What's are up? so obvious. And they were so obvious when they were standing outside the hotel, too. Yeah. Everybody, get get your cops in line. Get your whatever it is. Get your people to be less obvious. This is Jason Bourne. I mean, so you could, the argument you could make is that who is smarter? Who's smarter than Chris Cooper? And the answer is it's the other agents. It's the other agents that come after Bourne. In theory, they're smarter because they're Treadstone agents. Yeah. But I mean, they're still villains. So 
the hero and the villain still are the smartest people in the room. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of who the real villain he's is. He's still the smartest person in the room. If, if they're in a room together, he's going to win. Yeah. yeah. That's if we're necessarily ca- calling him the villain of this movie, because I feel like the villain could be the government or whatever you yeah, want right, to call right. it. So. Which is why the rules are loose. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we say... Well, no, I, I, I really don't think the rules are that loose on this. I was just a, I'm just a wondering what your guys' opinion was on yeah. whether or not Cooper is... Is he just playing catch up? It feels time? stupid that that scene on the bridge is the one that I points out to me as like you're an idiot. Like, yeah. how would you really expect to get away with this? But mm-hmm. Bourne certainly is the smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, all right, so that pretty much does it for Chris Cooper. Let's talk about production development, how this movie got made, some of the people involved. So, so we kept keep mentioning Doug Lyman, uh, and we incidentally actually talked about Lyman with you <laughs> yeah. on yeah, Edge on of Tomorrow, Edge Tomorrow, which yeah. is another one of my favorite action movies. Great yeah. movie. The dude so, knows what he's doing. Yeah, from what I hear about the guy, he's he's a he's a little bit neurotic. Uh, this is like what you read about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's very particular about the way that he wants his movies made, his communication with the studio, and everything like that. You read about him, and he's he's one of these people who it's it's like this is my vision, this is my movie. I want this shot. It needs to be like this. Great, um, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love the fact that he constantly finds himself right behind the camera, not looking at a monitor holding the camera so that he's right there with his actors, he's right there with the crew, and everything is done exactly the way that he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was, so he was, the, he directed Swingers, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then Go, and then Just I think there's one other movie before he did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this is the first movie that he ever made like this, right? Yeah. And is, is the, there's the famous, the famous part uh, that you read about in production when he's working on this, and somebody's like yelling at him, and they're like... I, or is that Edge of Tomorrow? Oh, it's Edge of Tomorrow. There's like, I've never made a movie like this before. Yeah. He's like, neither have I. And yeah. everybody went quiet. Yeah. It was, was wasn't it, it was him and Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, when she was in the... Um, in the like, I've never done yeah. this before. He's like, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love it. Uh, yeah, I think that you're exactly right, though. He is neurotic and he's all of these things and that's what every great director should be. Exactly. You should care that much. You should have say in what the... How it turns out that if you're not doing that, you're not a great director. Right. I love him. I think he kicks butt. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one of these guys where the movies of his that aren't as good, uh, I don't I don't feel like I blame him as much as I like a movie like Jumper, for instance, which I don't like. I think that movie sucks, but not a very good movie. But it's you watch that movie and you're kind of like, I wonder how much of this is your fault and how much of it is the fault of the writing and the studio and the fact that you were you had this Hayden Christensen vehicle you were trying to make work. I know you love Hayden Christensen. Oh my god, don't I get me started. Oh, that movie, by the way, is called Outcast, I believe, with Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I thought it would be really funny to watch it the other day. I watched I, about me too. Twelve I tur- minutes really? of it. I turned it off for about twenty minutes. <laughs> couldn't Are you do it. Best friends or something. <laughs> I just couldn't. Well, it's because when the trailer came out, if any of you guys find Nicolas Cage to be as awesome, we would be on our blades. <laughs> <laughs> I am the white ghost. Look up the trailer for Outcast. Watch it. You'll lose your shit. It's, yeah. it's, it's that just funny. The worst. When I found the trailer, I wouldn't even tell Andrew what he was watching. I made him watch it because the first time you see Cage and he says, "I am the white ghost," he basically fell out of his lose chair. It. You lose it. Yeah. Is that your fist pump moment of the trailer? It's got to be easy, <laughs> easy. Uh, so yeah, so Lyman is a guy. He's got a film coming out called Mena uh, with Tom Cruise next Shocker. year. Mm-hmm. That is supposed to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I think it'll be amazing. Looks like a drama. It's got the kid from Ex Machina in it. Um, it's got Cruise. He's like a, I think a drug running helicopter pilot, something like that. Yeah. Deep South in the eighties. Um, so I'm, yeah, I have, I have faith. I think that's pretty cool. Definitely, he's he's involved with Hypnotic Productions. It's his production company that started in the early 2000s, and that they're usually involved with the films that he produces. Mm-hmm. Um, he also produced some of the OC, yes, the television show. He did Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Smith, which yep. is great. Which is awesome, uh, but uh, yeah, he's definitely a winner. So I have a soft spot for the OC. Yes, so uh, do I. Yeah, seriously. 
What, what was that? <laughs> I love the OC. I, I just have been hearing about Ben rave about this show for you never saw it? three and a so half good. years. Of you course, I it saw it. It's not a good show. All right. Anyway, moving on. Yes, I don't want to get very good show. stabbed here between the two of my co-hosts. <laughs> so a couple interesting things here. So, so this, uh, the Born Identity, was originally a a uh, spy thriller drama, yep. and it's referenced by a lot of people as like one of the definitive uh, spy dramas and, or novels in the history ever written. Right, 1980, mm-hmm. Robert Ludlum. He wrote three of them. 1980, I believe, one in 86 and one in 1990, and that was the first three film titles: The Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum. Right. Um, now. The only one that has any relevance to the book is this one. Is identity. Yeah. And there's a lot of elements that are close, but there's a lot of stuff that was rewritten. Originally, this was made into a TV movie in 1988 starring Richard Chamberlain. Okay. Um, it was like a four-hour miniseries. Yeah. And it's very close to the book, and it's very bad. It's very bad. <laughs> right. We watched some of it, and it was not cool. They needed <laughs> to change it because it was written during the Cold War, and it was no longer relevant to people, and people couldn't connect with it. And they were trying to keep it as close to it as they could, but they just... It wasn't working out, yeah. so they made the necessary changes. I, I think that anybody who faults them for that doesn't see this as its own entity, as you should. Every every book is different than the movie should be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if this movie, again, it came out t- almost 20 years after the book was written. Or right. did you say it was 80? It was 80, 80 yeah, yeah. So it was 22 years afterwards. Yeah. You know, you can't have the same issues. Right. And something that happened 22 years later. No. You know? So one of the things I thought is the coolest, is so so uh, Lyman wanted to adapt the novel, right? And he was inspired by Run, Lola, Run, which came out in 1998. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted that tone. And he started working with Tony Gilroy to uh, to adapt the novel, but he changed a lot of it, and a lot of it was based on his personal experience because his father yes. was in the NSA. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the characters in here are based on, like, real characters and his dad mm-hmm. uh, and his experience in the Iran-Contra affair, which is really interesting. Uh, That's I, I, why I bet it's so well written and so well executed. Like yeah. the two of them collaborating on the script and him directing it, it just feels real. Everything feels real. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. So the movie took a few years to get made. He was working on developing the script. They brought in another writer uh, named Dan Heron. No. Uh, Blake. And this is really exciting yeah, for me. Blake Heron. Blake, Blake Heron. Um, yeah, I, this was very exciting for me because I am the most massive Role Models fan. Oh, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, I it's so good. Telling you guys it's my favorite comedy. I'm not kidding. I love that movie so much. Really? It's one of like four movies Venti. that I have. 20. On my, Venti. Yeah. <laughs> I I could I can quote every single line from it. I love that movie so much. Uh, when I I didn't even know that this was that this is something that he had worked on because mm-hmm. why on earth would you ever assume that this is something that he worked on? Yeah. It is so weird. Same thing with somebody who directs Swingers in this. You, right. It's crazy how people can have uh, polar personalities. I just think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah Heron. absolutely. I mean, Heron's a guy who basically his two relevant credits are Born Identity and Role Models. Mm-hmm. And he was the second writer that the studio brought in once they acquired the rights. Warner Brothers, I think, spent like two years trying to get the rights to this. Um, and once they acquired it, they brought in Heron to rewrite Gilroy and Lyman's script. Yeah. Uh, so he gets a credit as a rewrite guy. Which he's he's also known for doing that a lot in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I need him to just do so many other things. I yeah. like right. go, like have lunch with me or something. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that they changed On from the record. original. <laughs> yeah. You heard it. Um, one thing that they changed from the book that I wish they wouldn't have is because I don't know what it is, but I love when the hero gets repair or like gets worked on and like goes through therapy with an alcoholic doctor off in some random island okay because that's what was in the original in the original book (laughs) sure Mm -hmm. i love that exchange that (laughs) happens when it's like an alcoholic doctor that's like a vagabond is going to take care of me and teach me the ways of the world and heal me 
Well, I wanted that time. in this movie. That sounds like it. In life, if you can't help yourself, sometimes you just help others. Yeah. That's like one of the cutscenes from MacGruber, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Should be. Um, all right. So that's, uh, that's Lyman. That's, that's some of the, so, so with Tony Gilroy, I have a soft spot for Tony Gilroy, and I've been talking about this guy for years because mm-hmm. Michael Clayton is one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this film. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he, <laughs> Have you seen that movie, Andrew? You know, I'll get around to it one day. <laughs> so uh, he's a guy who got a lot of credit for... I mean, he, he, was a, he was a rewrite guy as well in the late 90s. His dad is like a super, super famous playwright and screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prize winner, Frank yep. D. Gilroy. No movie credits that are relevant to our purposes here. He on has some, show. but they're just really not... There's older. Anything yeah. crazy to talk about. Um, older. I mean, it's possible they're great movies. That, you know, he was nominated for awards, just not stuff that I've seen. And they were in the 50s and 60s and exactly. 70s. And, uh, so anyway, Tony did some stuff in the late 90s, like The Devil's Advocate, Armageddon. Uh, but he was obviously a friend of Lyman's, and they worked on this film together. Now, once this movie got made, he worked on production and co-writing on the, the rest of the films in the franchise. Yeah. And finally, in 07 made Michael Clayton, which got five Oscar nominations, including a writing nomination, mm-hmm. directing nomination, and it was his directorial debut, plus three acting nominations, which are all amazing. Yes. You guys should all see that movie if you haven't seen it. But weirdly enough, two years later, he made Duplicity, which was kind of like an espionage comedy with Paul Giamatti and Tom Wilkinson mm-hmm. and Clive Owen and Julia Roberts. And what? It- Did you not like the movie? Is that why you have the face? Well, no. So I saw it in theaters, obviously. I was very mm-hmm. excited about it. It's all right. It's just okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's good. It's like entertaining. Yeah. Well, it's like where the D goes up and good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's one of those weird examples of if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes ratings on it, the user reviews gave it a thirty-seven percent, right? And the, the critics, critics like seventy, give it like a sixty-seven. Yeah. So it's one of those movies where like the critics are like, "Well, it's pretty smart. We'll give it a higher grade." And the, the users are just like, "This movie sucks. <laughs> I don't want to watch." Yeah. yeah. I've seen it a couple times, and it, I, I've seen it twice, and I remember very little about it. And I feel like that speaks a lot to a movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's impossible. It seems almost impossible for a movie with a cast that good mm-hmm. to be not at least entertaining. Yeah, uh, and it's just you know. And then he went on to do uh, State of Play, and then Born Legacy. State of Play is well written. Yeah, that, that movie's that movie's. So is Born Legacy. Honestly, yeah. like I watched it last night. I, I actually hadn't seen it yet, and I'm, I was like, I need to watch this movie. Ooh. I know. I was shocked, especially because I love Jeremy Renner. Uh, I love the series. Have you seen all the other Borns? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's it is actually very well written and it's and the acting is very good in it. Uh it's just not quite the same. I don't yeah. know how to explain it, but you can definitely feel that his that he had his finger in the writing. Yeah. The only the only examples I can think of where I'm going to give a writer 100% credit for what you see on the screen is if it's like they wrote the script, they're working with the same director and it's like some sort of auteur where they get complete control and the studio has very very little say. Well, which you saw is what re- happened when he wrote and directed a movie. Right. You know. So it's, yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. So if you write something and someone else directs it, I mean, you just never know. But mm-hmm. Of course, it's hard to place blame on anything when you're not there and you right. can't tell. Yeah. But as far as Gilroy goes in general, I think the guy's a friggin' genius. And the kind of stuff that he writes is just, it's super tight. Uh, you know, it's just the plotting is always very sound. Uh, I wish he wrote more. Yeah, me too. He's got a couple things coming out. Yeah. Uh, some Yeah, with some good actors involved, I think. Willem Dafoe High Wire Act and uh, The Great Wall yeah exactly so that should be pretty cool stuff High Wire Act is that the Jessica Gordon-Levitt one where the tightrope no I don't think so that looks insane which one what is that called Uh, I do know how you call it what what you're talking about I saw the preview for it the other day it made me nauseous because I Heights and me we don't get along oh yeah no didn't know that I'll teach you my ways (laughs) Um, wear the jacket 
So quickly before we get into our critical and budget, I want to talk just a little bit of the producers. Uh, we don't have to harp on them too much. Talk about Frank Marshall. Yeah, basically. I mean, Lyman and Hypnotic, they produce half his movies um, or several, a lot of the movies that he works on. But Frank Marshall is one of these guys. Have you ever heard of Kennedy Marshall? Um, that's his company or with Kathleen Kennedy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, between the two of them, I mean, the, the kind of things they've worked on, it, it's absurd. Like, just a few to mention. Yeah, just some franchises that he was entirely involved in. Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, the entire Bourne franchise. A couple other things here and there. You know, just a few movies you guys might enjoy if you like our show. He's like one of the 50 most relevant producers in the history of Hollywood. He absolutely is. Him, Bruce Berman. Berman. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that he was helping to produce this because I think he did a great job. Absolutely. No, he did. And he did a good job with the whole series. It's crazy when when a series comes out and it progressively does better at the box office. And we're going to get into that in a minute, but that doesn't happen a lot. No, not very often at all. Um, Furious 7. Furious 7. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at like the highest-grossing films worldwide all time. Do you guys realize that three of the top six highest-grossing films ever came out this summer? Yeah, absolutely insane. It's insanity. Avengers yeah. 2, Jurassic World, and, and Furious, 7. Furious 7 all are in like the billion dollar mark. And then over here you have James Cameron just like, yeah, yeah, kiddies, I get you. Yeah, he's You're like, doing I, well, I guess. I got. He's like, I got a 2.8 and a 2.6. <laughs> Wait uh, until Star Wars comes out. It's gonna, <laughs> that's going to destroy every record. Yeah, I, I mean, it'll, I think it'll be number three. I'm pretty sure it'll be I Jurassic. think it might go number two all time. It's just hard Maybe. to imagine a movie... Titanic was in theaters for like seven years, it mm-hmm. felt like. Yeah, I mean, Avatar Worldwide was out for quite a while. Yeah. So I guess you could see episode seven, if it's, if it's as good as I'm hoping and I think it's going to be. I mean, maybe. It's, Even if it's not as good as you want it to be... Everyone's going to go see that movie. And if you want to know Everyone. more about it, check out Jedi Alliance on popcorn.network. Yeah. Are you on that show? Uh, no, but um, I was one time on it, and it actually <laughs> was the reason that we couldn't go live for a really long time here, because it shut down the network, because Legos striked against us. Oh, yeah. You should have been like, because it went so massive because and viral. It, was, yeah, and exactly. it broke the internet. It got a lot of hits. It did. It did. But I'm a big Star Wars fan. Anyway. All right. Let's um, move on to money. Yeah, let's talk about money. You want to leave this one? Uh, sure. So it was uh, distributed by Universal. It cost $60 million to make, but then they went over budget $8 million for a total of $68 million. Obviously, you can do math. Uh, it made a lot of money, you know, for, for what it is. You know, it, it got 121 lo- uh, domestic, yep. 92 foreign, and right. 214 worldwide. So Definitely. it almost, you know, it, it almost quadrupled its budget. Yeah. Almost. Back in 02. 214 back in 02 is a big number. It's very big. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that this movie... It opened its biggest competition was Scooby Doo opening weekend, and Scooby Doo doubled its profits. Crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah. Like, literally doubled the profit. I don't think it was expecting to do as well as it did. I don't think they actually thought the movie was going to be as good as it was. And well, you, it isn't until afterwards when we see the um, cast of it, they're all talking in the red carpet, the director, and they're like, all right, when we do our sequel, and everybody's like, what do you mean? We haven't even yeah. seen this yet. But they could tell that they had a hit on their hands. Yeah. Uh, so I think it did better than they thought, even though it... It didn't do as well as Scooby Doo. In all fairness, I'm also a big Scooby Doo girl. Yeah, so. I mean, we really? all love Scooby Doo. Yeah. Roxy, I think you love every movie that's ever been made. <laughs> I like Amazing Spider Man too. So you know, it's hard to say. I like Amazing Spider Man too. Also, I did. So I actually liked the Amazing Man. I'm like waiting for you to be like, I hate that movie. A million it's ways too- to die in the West. All right, I haven't well, seen it. Damn, that, mo- that movie was awful. 
It was so bad. Fantastic Four. Horrible. All right, let's move on. Uh, another one, <laughs> it also opened against Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers oh, was number three. That's a great and movie. I actually really liked one that movie. One of those early 2000s war a movies. kid, you know, yeah. and it was, seemed like super cool and right. the, the Navajo code and all that. Right. But uh, yeah, Wind Talkers kind of got demolished at the box office. Do you remember that whole, like, the whole little cluster of war movies that came out? Yeah, it was we like... We Were Soldiers, Wind Talkers, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Mandolin. Yeah. Uh, like, there was a fourth one. The, the Bruce Willis one. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh man, what's it called? Um, you guys are oh. like this on me right now. Yeah, yeah same mind though. Hearts War, Hearts War. That's yes. the one. Yep. Don't you love Do that it. feeling? Bump it. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so we got this graphic up here of, of the Born series and the money that they made, and this is what we were talking about earlier. Is you look at progressively. Every single one made quite a bit, substantially. I mean, one to two is massive. That's a sixty million dollar increase, right? And two to three is you know thirty eight million dollars, which is still fantastic. And then you look at four, and this is adjusted for inflation, so it, it, it probably made more than Born Identity uh, in actual numbers, right? But when you look at it, it just completely tanked compared to the series. Like very rarely do you go from making better and better and better. Like again, we talked about Furious. And then the fourth movie, which is getting rebooted with a great actor, yeah, a, the same writer, same feel, and it's at a good time, and it just tanked, essentially. Well, so this asks the question, right? So we talk, what I mentioned about how this is the continuation of the Jack Ryan franchise, even if they didn't know it, and it definitely feels that way. By the third movie, when he's like in control and you know the character you're dealing with, right. you, it's fully that. It's not like he's he's this anti-hero and you're still a mystery. It's like... No, he's Jason Bourne. It's just Jason Bourne doing ass. awesome shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if five years later, now, you know, or ten years after this thing had started, are people over it? Like, is, is, is are they sort of like, look, Matt Damon was this guy... I don't need Jason Bourne as a character. It's yes. played by Jeremy Renner. Yes, they were. We need a new. We need a new thing. Because you and I love this series, and we both hadn't seen the movie. And I watched it last night yeah. because of the show. I just didn't care. And I out. love Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I don't think that's it. I just think that it lost its momentum a little bit. And then there was some stink on this movie going into it, and the whole fact that it was Jeremy Renner. And I, I don't know if people were upset about that or whether yeah. they just really loved their Matt Damon. I, I don't know. I think that it will do better. He'll do better next time. I liked the movie. I really did. I, I, it wasn't yeah. like people walked out of that and were like, this is the worst movie ever. No, it just it was, didn't get the same numbers. It was very sad. good. It was very good. And I think part of it could be is when people start to run their course as a character, you get happy when they're replaced. Like, Pierce Brosnan ran his course as Bond. And when Daniel Craig came on, it was fantastic. Because Pierce Brosnan was what you wanted out of Bond in that era. You wanted to be smooth, and you wanted his one-liners, and it was—it was like it was—they were like action comedies almost. You know what I mean? Like not by today's standards. If you go watch those movies, Golden Eye is yeah. a huge deal. And Golden Eye, when we were growing up, was like, oh my god, Golden Eye is so sweet. So I want a clicky top pen just so I can click it three times and think it's going to explode. Right? Like, that's how good it was. And <laughs> yes. Yes, Miss Rocks, you got something to say about that? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> she was charmed by what she just said. I was, I, tell. I was. And then Daniel Craig came along, and you're like, okay, this is what we want. This is the smooth, badass, like, he, he's yeah. not, he doesn't have the, as many of the one-liners, but he delivers, the ones he does have, he de- delivers with more conviction, and they're more serious. Matt Damon wasn't at the end of his rope yet. No. You could have had a couple more Bourne movies with him in it. And that's why they're going to have another one with him in it. Right. But it's weird. How do you have two Bourne series going at once? They'll probably, like, interlock. We should probably announce that, like, realistically, we, we looked at Frank Marshall's producing credits for announced and in pre-production, and they're both listed as untitled Jeremy Renner Bourne Project. Right, and untitled, exactly. Uh, Matt Damon Bourne Project. I mean, by contrast, if you look at Tom Cruise's in, in pre-production, you have Top Gun 2. You have these movies that you're like... Is that really going to happen still? I don't know if they're going to make that movie. And they might. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I, I don't know if I'm going to say like on air right now. I guarantee that you see two more Bourne movies, one each with both those guys. It just seems so weird. It doesn't seem fitting. Yeah. I, I definitely think that we're going to see a Jeremy Renner Bourne movie. I think we will too. And maybe Matt Damon will be in it. Yeah. Or something like that. But I just, I think that that might be why four did not do well as, an, or as well as the other ones is because as an audience, especially for me, I was like, I could have seen more Matt Damon. Yeah. I didn't think he ran this character to the ground yet. So let's jump really quickly into critical. And then I do want to talk about ultimate action scenes. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of reviews we, we pulled here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a, a positive and a negative, right? Always. So Ebert says, Doug Lyman, director of The Bourne, directs the traffic well, gets a nice wintry look from his locations, absorbs us with the movie's spycraft, and uses Damon's ability to be focused and sincere. I'd say pretty accurate. Yeah, because the setting of these of this movie is great. Yeah. Like, the feel of where you are. And we talk about... We, we had a discussion about this yesterday when we were watching it, and... Um, sorry to leave you out, Rox. That's okay. I'm here now. <laughs> I'm part of the discussion now. You uh, were invited. In, uh, in this era, in the early 2000s, there was something so mysterious and engaging about, like, European cityscape. Yeah. You know, like, people just, like, people from the Midwest, people from where I grew up in the Northwest, like, you don't know what it's like there. So to hold a spy movie there was like, ooh. Right. It's even more, like, uh, exotic, I guess. Totally. And I was, yeah, I agree with you completely. It's like, the the tone of everything, it's like, you know, all the... All like the, it's just like like a like a Dutch bank or like yeah. a, like a super fast train mm-hmm. or like this driving cabin, on the left side of the road. This cabin in the mm-hmm. French Alps, or it's not really, but I mean like that's yeah. like you know what I mean. And he and the car chase is in a mini. Yeah, it's like it's just stuff that like if you grew up in America and you're a teenager and you've never been to Europe, this is just cooler. It's more exotic. It's sexier. I think they knew that, hence why we saw the Eiffel Tower over and over again mm-hmm. and all of the things they kept rubbing our face and also. Well, I, I said that negatively, but I mean it in a yeah. good way. It was interesting to watch. And also, when uh, Matt Damon was doing all of his uh, press, he went around and he was like, listen, Saving Private Ryan and Talented Mr. Ripley and this movie, Europe just got something we don't have here. We just got right. to film everything in Europe. Yeah. Well, because if you think about, like, nowadays, okay, movies... That's cool. I didn't know he said that. Yeah. That makes sense. Movies that we do in, on and have done the last couple episodes, like, you know, Taken takes place in Paris, but you would never be like, well, that's cool because it's Paris. It's like, it's right. just a given now. Or you think about, like, the Mission Impossible franchise, and they're always all over the world, but that's just, we just take it for granted now. Yeah. It's, it's you don't think you about... expect it. Out of the, the, you can't just have a great action movie, like, only take place in, like, Nebraska. Spy movies don't just happen <laughs> you know? in the U.S. No. Yeah. It's borrowed, though, from way back when yeah. we had all those spaghetti and, like, anything that was going on in Italy and mm-hmm. all those films. So I think that it, if something works, then you should use it. And yeah. great. Go film overseas. Definitely. Sometimes you need to be in L.A. and other times you don't. So the negative review here is from uh, Jay Boyer of the Orlando Sentinel. And it says, Lyman of Swingers and Go makes his big-budget action film debut Something of a clunker as he delivers a long, low heat chase interrupted by a middling car chase. It's that's so not fair. It's so unfair. It's, I completely yeah. agree. This, I believe, we call that pacing, right? In a good movie, if it was what he's talking about, if, if what he's saying is a negativism, if they would have done that differently, the movie would just be a high pace, like crappy action movie, right? You know, like it needs those moments for things to seek in, seep in. It needs those moments where the relationships are building. Where the tension is growing. Like, right. that's why this is like an action thriller drama. It's not just like a crappy action movie, like a bad spy movie. Well, and Lyman says, I mean, he's like, this is not an action movie. It's like, this is a drama that has action sequences in it. That's, right. that's what he talks about. But for us, this is an action movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people need to see more violence, more guns, all of those things, and that for them makes a great movie. I actually appreciate those things, but that's not what necessarily makes a great movie. There's a time and a place for it. I don't feel like it fit into this movie. 
I, I love the way that they handled it. Uh, yeah, I, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I agree. That I think that review is very unfair. And this, these both came out uh, at the same time that the movie came out. These yeah, are, were, these are incredibly relevant reviews for the real-time time reviews. So well, I want to talk about the the place that this place sits in, like critically, and in, in the metrics we usually use, right? right? Like Rotten and IMDb. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Rotten, you have the all critics review is eighty three percent. Top critics give it a seventy eight, and audience gives it a ninety three. Universally loved. This movie was a game changer yeah, at the time. If you make a movie, and those are the kind of numbers you get you can be very very happy with what you've done and yeah. you know that you're going to get a sequel absolutely absolutely but interestingly enough on imdb it has a 7.9 now we talk about it every week and i know you guys know that we always talk about the top 8.1 is the cutoff essentially for the top 250 movie so here this is this is like one of the moments that i feel like my, my theory is proved and that is that the born ultimatum which by the way is my favorite born movie by a mile mm-hmm. it's the coolest one i love the third movie that movie is in the IMDb 2 Top 250. It's like got an 8.1 or 8.2 or something. Right. This movie has a 7.9 and doesn't make the list. Now, when you talk about favorite versus greatest, which is what the Top 250 is supposed to be about, it's a ranking of the greatest films, right. this film deserves to be on that list more than Ultimatum does because this is the movie that made. Like, this is the character. This is the game changer. This is the style-wise. Like, you couldn't ever have the third movie without the first movie. Right. So that's where it's sort of like... If the movie is just a list of people's favorite movies, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if it's the top 250 all time, then this is the kind of thing where you, you have to have somebody in there moderating those numbers and saying, that's not fair, just because the users like this movie a little more. Right. What do you think? I mean, it, I mean, it comes down to... It's tough, because you. another great example is you look at Batman Begins and you yeah. look at Dark Knight. Sure. Dark Knight destroys Batman Begins on the, yeah. on the list. But you couldn't. But Batman Begins is altogether a better movie. It's a better story. It's cleaner. It's cleaner. It, it's it just doesn't have Heath Ledger in it, which is just right. You can't compare. Yeah. You can't compete. Uh, but it's the same thing with like Warrior. It's not a great movie, <laughs> but I want to watch that movie every day. You know, it's got so many cliches in it, but the cliches are played to the nines, man. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something to be said about how you said Ultimatum is your favorite in the series, and that's why it's on the list. Is, is that these movies that are people's favorites you can't like I love I love Batman Begins but I would probably watch Dark Knight more so would I it's funny because I've used the warrior argument before I've said that exact statement it's not a great movie and you've argued and you just said it and yeah. I wanted to start arguing with you I think it is a great movie it's a phenomenal <laughs> I mean any movie that I've seen like a hundred times I've seen that movie probably a hundred times like, no shit no warrior no warrior oh. Uh, because it's an incredible movie, but you look at like the yeah. things that make a great movie a great movie, yep. and it's yeah. Anyway, I I think that you just made a great thesis statement. That was a bold thesis, and that we're talking about right now. That this, just because something's your favorite doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. And right. uh, I completely agree with that. I think that it's a different conversation about The Dark Knight because I think that what that did for film is something different than Born Ultimatum did. Born Ultimatum didn't add anything to film that I hadn't seen before. Right. I just liked it a lot. I right. It was really good. I think this added something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I, I think Dark Knight added something. If you're bringing something new to the table, then you're a contender. Certainly. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about what we think. In let's go into our uh, oh, sorry, go action scenes. Yeah. So, we normally do something called Ultimate Action Scene, guys, and uh, we're sick of it. We're kind of sick of it. The, the, we used to talk about it like this is the scene, the definitive action scene in the movie, and we'd you know research it and show you guys I'm making a video and talk about how it got done. We just spent 56 minutes talking about how this movie got made. Uh, you want to try something <laughs> new. You're doing new stuff. This yeah, shows about I mean, what's awesome about these movies. Because in, in great action movies, there, there usually is that one scene. 
But there's so many other scenes, other action scenes that are so important. Yeah. That are just as important as that ultimate action scene that it doesn't do the movie justice to just leave them out of the conversation. So we're going to roll a couple of the best action scenes here in the background we chat. And and I think we're going to call this ultimate action sequence. And we're going to have a discussion about what we think the ultimate action sequence in this movie is. It's got to be action sequences. Yeah. Sequence-i. Sequai. Sequai. So what do you guys think? <laughs> um, for me, I, it's hard because there are some really great scenes, and this is a different kind of movie, but it ultimately would be when he says, red bag, and then from what happens from there to when mm-hmm. he scales the wall outside sure. and kind of ducks under. I think that's awesome. I think it shows that he's incredibly intelligent. Uh, he takes the cops down. He grabs the evacuation plan. He goes the up the staircase. Yep. He has the earpiece. Yeah. He, we see that he has the finesse, the strength the smarts, all of those things that make him a great uh, hero for us. And that's when I was really like, yes, this is somebody I'm going to get behind. And there was a lot of action to that scene. He did kick butt, so it, it qualifies for me. Absolutely. I I would agree that if we had to pick an action an ultimate action scene, it would be that one. It's got, it hits all the numbers in it. It's yeah. got chase, it's got fighting, it's got intelligence, all that good stuff. The car chase scene, though, when this movie came out, was one of the... If not the greatest car chase I'd almost ever seen in a movie. Yeah, it was amazing when it came out. And it, and it has actually dated quite a bit with sound editing and speed. And then you go and you watch something like MI5. And you know that Tom Cruise is really driving 50 miles an hour on a motorcycle. And that he's <laughs> actually driving the car with him and Simon Pegg in it. And when they have the wide shots of this, you, you can see that they're probably going like 30 miles an hour. Well, what did we read points. about this? So when when they did, went to do reshoots, uh, Lyman was like, "We need to get we need to get this car chase done." Yeah. And the second unit actually filmed this, but it's all filmed out of sequence in different parts of Paris. Yeah. And so, he says in an interview, "If you know the geography of Paris, this scene doesn't make any sense. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. There's no cohesion to it at all." And yeah. then there was some yellow van that kind of appeared out of nowhere for a little bit that wasn't there, and then came and helped them out. So that didn't make much sense either. I heard him talking about that. Yeah. It, it's just. It's sweet. That one. that one, yeah. It's a sweet scene. The the car chase is great, and him driving a Mini Cooper, like an old beat up Mini Cooper, the way that he does is yeah. incredibly entertaining. There's a bump. But yeah, exactly. But it's uh, it wasn't as it wasn't as exciting as as we thought. It yeah, was. as I remembered it to be. Because you've seen so many things since then. Yes. Yeah, in 13 years, in terms of like sound and video editing, is yeah. pretty relevant. I had a different ultimate action moment though. Sure. Okay. When he uses that body to fly down the stairs oh, so and then shoots out. Headshot. Headshot while yeah. falling. I mean, the least realistic thing of all time because he yep. just would have died because gravity yeah. is still gravity. But, <laughs> oh my God, that for me was everything. So sweet. Such an incredible moment. He's like kicking the big fat guy. I was going to say, that poor guy. That yeah. guy gets his ass kicked so bad. Yeah. Like, not only does he get disarmed and gets his ass kicked, and then he gets shot a bunch, and then he's like getting beaten to, like, when he's through a, you're literally yeah. kicking it horse well down he and then he splattered. falls on top of him yeah, yeah. It, that guy is <laughs> that's the moment i mean so you have that scene too right the whole him him escaping the like, like little apartment at the end there mm-hmm. the headquarters which is like which is like above like an adorable french cafe right yeah oh, of course it is yeah um but uh and you know it's like hidden or whatever so so there's like that scene then there's also the pen fight pen fight which is that's one of those moments where you're just like Okay, this dude can literally do anything. Yeah, and like you said, he, you know, he, he's deadly with anything. And in the second one, he does the same thing with the magazine. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of a throwback to the first movie. Um, you I know, love when he's walking around the apartment and the tension is just building because he knows something is wrong. Yeah, you know. Did you think it was all weird that the guy swings in and smashes through the glass like he knows Matt Damon's there or something? 
After he already went downstairs and shot somebody? And then starts shooting (laughs) instead of just, like, shooting through the glass? Right, because, like, uh, we have a moment in Born Legacy where, where... they do that where he the girl's like hiding in the corner he's like in 30 seconds I want you to shoot your gun and then she shoots the gun the guy runs up the stairs and, and Renner's in the closet and he just shoots four shots through the door and yeah. kills the guy that's what you would think this guy would do but he's also not Jer- Jason Bourne right also you know? why did he wait till the exact moment that he walked over to the door how long had he been there did right he just, there were so many questions about this scene as much as the scene kicks ass so I'm kind I kind of don't care that I have all these questions yeah. if you if you actually analyze it, it doesn't make much sense yes. yeah I mean there's definitely movie magic happening here where and- just Look at her. Add to the scene. Yeah, she just do standing something. there. Like, do anything. I don't even care if at this point you run away. Do something. Don't stand there and watch. Oh, and she oh, does it. Jason. She's like, yeah, thanks. I know. I've been fighting him for about a minute now. Be be either this kick-ass girl who goes and helps him, or run away. But do not stand there. Don't just stand there. Do not. Although yeah. I, I would stand there and watch this. Yeah, like, like a movie. Like this is awesome. <laughs> of all the action sequences in the movie, I hope the good guy wins. The one, the one to me that stands out as as the most memorable is definitely the Clive Owen thing. It's amazing when he when he kills him in the field. Mm-hmm. But it's not as like there's not like really action to actiony. It. It's just it's just dramatic. He yeah. shoots, he blows up the car, you know, and then he runs like it's, it's like a gas tank. It's like a one of those big yeah, like, propane those... tanks outside houses. That's yeah. like to me. That's like my favorite scene because it's it's got action. It's got the gun. It's like a gunfight. Got an explosion, and then I love the conversation. I I love the moment. This is it. This is where he stands up. Sorry to interrupt you. I yeah. just love that he's got all those holes in him. He's like this. It kind of is like damn a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> pops back up. That that's oh. some fear the Walking Dead stuff right there. Couple broken bones. Okay, so I just gave you the plug. You're not going to take it. What? Oh, Fear the Walking Dead. Of course, the Fear the Walking <laughs> Dead plug. If you guys, if you guys love Fear the Walking Dead, please, we have an after show for that that, that we do on uh, on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. That I, I'm on the panel for. That I, I'm really excited for you guys to check out. So so tune in this Sunday and check that out. If you're watching Fear the Walking Dead, the first episode was fantastic. Was I got really you. Good. Thanks, Rox. Mm-hmm. Got me on that one. Uh, as far as my favorite action, we scene, do it without you. Yeah. She's, I, I don't know. You guys do it every week. You know, like I'm not invited very often. Pro. So. Guys, if you're watching this and you want Roxy to permanently be the third host, tweet in. Just uh, tweet at us and do let it. us know. YouTube comments, tweet. Just we need neater. If you neater. can, if you guys can convince Roxy to be the permanent third host, she's on the show. I would love to. Oh, really? We'll Is, talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I would love to. No. Uh, no, but I, I was going to say that the reason I, I like that Clive Owen scene so much is because you have the action, then he shoots him, and then when they're talking, they do this really interesting thing where it's like, first he's really, 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 uh, he's super, super present. Yeah. But he's... Kind of like laughs a little bit. He's having that She's rush of like, I'm in shock because I'm dying. Yeah. And then he starts to wince, and it's like he starts crying, and he just falls over and dies. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're getting like a rush of blood, and your heart's pumping really fast, and now you're just going to die. What I and love they're about, connected. They yeah. have that yeah, moment, exactly. too. You didn't want Matt Damon to have to kill him like again. You know so, what I mean? Like, execute him, essentially. So that's my favorite line in the movie. I'm going to jump into favorite line. So okay. this is an interactive part of the show, guys. If you're watching and you want to hang out with us and let us know what you think, uh, leave it in the comments on YouTube or tweet at any of us if you want to tweet at us and let us know your thoughts. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, I'm at Andrew Guy on Twitter. I'm at Roxy Stryer. You can let us know. And, and this is where we're going to do favorite line. We're going to rank the hero and the villain. We're going to do a little bit of a recast, talk about Tom Cruise a little bit. Um, so the bread my- and the butter. <laughs> Interactive. Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite line in this movie is it's the line that it's the line that Clive Owen says to Matt Damon, and then in the third movie at the end of it, when uh, 
he ju- I think it's when uh, Matt Damon jumps off the roof. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! And it's and the same. The asset in the third movie says it to him. It's Clive Owen looks at him after like his whole moment. And he's like, "Look at this." And he's like, "Look what they make you give." Look what they make you give. And that's like yeah. that's my line. I love yeah, that line. It's a beautiful line. It's good. It's a cool fucking line. It's just like and Clive Owen was ticketed as like a big part of this movie. Yeah, he was like billed like he was, but he's got about three and a half minutes of screen time Let's split up throughout the whole entire movie. In an interview, he's like. I basically just put on some glasses and pose for the camera. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's like what he did. That was good. good. Good work. It's like a Nick Cage, Clive Owen. Yeah, is right it? There. Yeah, a little Okay, bit. what's your favorite line? Uh, I want Roxy to go Hot first. Hot chat. Well, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even wait, so I had to, I had to send over a text message about this, but I don't even know if you guys know what I'm talking about. When the Marie Jason Bourne scene, and she says, um, with you, you probably just forget about me if I, I stayed here. She's getting all nervous. You can tell she kind of likes oh, it. Oh, yeah. He looks at her and says, how could I forget about you? You're the only person. You're yeah. the only person I know, and I melted. It's so sweet. My yeah, heart, it's adorable. Absolutely. Just like oh, that was one of those moments where I was like, "How do I get this to be my life? This psychotic broad is here, and <laughs> I am not. What do I have to do?" Like it was perfect. But then I'm also like, "Is it that sweet?" Because it's factually true. Like, well, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. like one of those things. It's like he's not even. That's what. That's the super suave spy moment where it's like I'm not even trying right now but it's just like the most endearing line of the whole movie so cute it's yeah. a it's like a really clever way to for him to be not only like strategically but also emotionally the smartest guy in the room yeah you know what i mean because you have to be the smartest guy in the room to be successful as a spy mm-hmm. you have to be at all times it's like in fact the fact that like clooney hasn't had a franchise built around him as a super spy yet he kind of has actually i guess oceans 11 kind of is that but he's yeah. a heist guy yeah. not really a spy Anyway, yes, feel. she totally went upstairs. Yeah, so it worked. Yep, she did. Got her inside. What's and your favorite line? <clears throat> Look, I can tell you the license plate. <laughs> I love, I love this line. line. I just like see it. So he goes. I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed. The guy sitting up at the counter weighs 250 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun is in a cab outside of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know all that? How can I know that and not know who I am? It's just, I, I remember that perfectly from when I saw it in theaters. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and thinking it was awesome. And then I remember going over to my buddy's house and he was one of these kids who was like homeschooled and he like he was like, you know, way way overparented mm-hmm. and he didn't have any friends really. And he had just seen this movie and apparently like he had just seen the movie and he had like p- committed to memory several of the lines that he was we were because we were pretty young and he like said that line to me like verbatim yeah and he's like have you seen it yet <laughs> and I was like that's the sign of how cool this movie is yeah this guy just memorized the line well then like we had someone tweeted us today like any hints of the movie and I, I I just said I could tell you the license plate number of all six cars outside immediately and then he immediately Hurst. responded yeah Hurst, Hurst our boy yeah he's the guy I think that's also the moment that she realized that he wasn't completely full crap well yeah because up until that point because she's still saying it earlier in the diner like you know people like what is she like adrenaline or like people do crazy things when they're scared things like that he's like no listen to this right yeah yeah yeah. she says i knew where the exit signs were also right she's like doesn't make me super spy you're not getting it (laughs) you're not a super spy like jason Bourne. you're not not treadstone you know who else isn't a super spy like jason Bourne? julia styles because she's in this movie oh i know we like talked about that for a second we were like we were like this is way past her prime i was like actually save the last dance was the previous year somehow yeah yeah, she's like right in her prime she's like i mean and she just didn't. I that was know. bizarre. I she, completely forgot about that. And then I was watching. What? You know, she's in the whole series. Even stranger like, is the fact that Julia Stiles like 
she still looks great. She's only 34. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's stunning. She's I just not a good actress. I just, well... Uh, last dance was <laughs> she's not a good actress. We had this moment where she's like, she gets that one line of like, "Oh, we got two hours, so blah blah blah," and we got to clean up and this and that. And you're just like, "Okay, that's why she's not yeah. doing it." She has a bad she's line. Okay. She's okay. She's okay. Give my girl some breaks. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Julia Stiles act. All, my point was, like, given the right role, I feel like her career could still just come out. Oh, of absolutely. And it feels like she's been gone forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so that's favorite lines. Now, this is an interesting one: hero villain ranking. Uh, I don't feel that. Chris Cooper as a villain ranks for me, even though it's aw- he's awesome. He's a great no, performance. He, he does. I don't even know if he's a villain. Yeah, but Jason Bourne, and we talk about this, guys. This is you rank based on the movie, not based on the character. So, for instance, yes. like every Ethan Hunt is a different Ethan Hunt ranking. So mm-hmm. every Jason Bourne is a different Jason Bourne ranking. So this is Bourne one, Jason Bourne ranking. I mean, my favorite Jason Bourne is, is still Ultimatum Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, the most effective one who, like, does the coolest shit and has all the lines that I remember, that's all this one. Mm-hmm. I think this is the coolest one because he's still figuring out who he is. Like, he's going the pro- through the process. Again, we talked about earlier in the show. In 2 and 3, it's just him being him being awesome. Right. You know? In this one, it's you see instinctually, this is him. This is what he does. So I think that this is the coolest of the Bournes. I think that he... Not only does he rank, but he is top five for me. Like, I think that he is just everything. Every, I think he's everything. I think he is our James Bond. Like, oh, I love him. Well, last week on... So we did Predator last week, guys. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is an awesome movie and an awesome episode. And you should check it out. But we did Predator on the show last week. And I said that Dutch, uh, played by Schwarzenegger, is my third favorite action hero of all time. Um, which is the highest I'd ranked anybody so far. Mm-hmm. Where I believe, and we keep promising to get the graphic up. We will get the graphic up, we just don't have it yet. But we had both agreed that Rambo First Blood Part 2 Rambo was like somewhere in the top five, fourth or fifth for both of us. Jason Bourne? Bourne Identity Jason Bourne? I feel like he's top five. Maybe he's number six. But I like him better than Rambo, so I do maybe too. he's I like number him more four. Than Rambo. I like him more than Rambo because he is... It's more... Even though what he does is like incredible and like no one could do that, but, like, he doesn't go through a forest and kills, like, 100 people by himself. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's just more believability to it. Rambo is a complete savage. Complete yeah. badass. Totally. But Jason Bourne is, like, like we talked about earlier, he's, like, the everyman's superhero. I, I think I have to put Jason Bourne in, in my top five and maybe in my top three. I, maybe he's number two. Maybe he's number four. He's top five. I can't quite decide. He's either two, three, or four, and Dutch might move one slot based on that. But he is two, th- second, third, or fourth. I'm going seventh. Seventh. I'm just doing it. Okay. Strong. Yeah. This is a random number you just picked. Well, we have some contest. I wrote down <laughs> a seven. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> that that helps. I don't I I can't give a number, but yeah, top it's... five. He's just up there. I think that he's one of the best, but I have to go rewatch every single one of these films. I I think that he would probably place in the top five maybe three times. Like <laughs> I think he's everything. Yeah, that is that is tough. If you start to go character to character, you start to wonder like do you have three Jason Bournes right. in the top ten? I right. I don't know about that. But the significance of this particular Jason Bourne because of when it came out and what it meant and everything like that, you know. And that transition. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if Jack Ryan ever ranks. Like, I wonder if any of the, the Baldwin Jack Ryan or one of the Harrison Ford Jack Ryans. Anyway. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this really quick because it was something that we we discussed in our notes and we didn't get to get to it. Uh, I'm just excited. Because it's just a cool piece of trivia. So the name Bourne came from Ansel Bourne. A preacher in Rhode Island, the first documented case of dissociative fuge, a condition not like dissociative amnesia or identity disorder. Um, one day in 1887, he forgot who he was and started a new life in Pennsylvania under the name Brown and opened a convenience store. 
and about three months later, he woke up, and not only did he remember his old life, but completely forgot his new life and had no idea why he was in Pennsylvania. Do you know what television show used a fuge tape? Breaking Bad. Remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. He goes well, into a, he, he goes just he has the same thing. Dissociated, that's what he, well, well, yeah, he, he does. Claims. He claims to have yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When he wanders off, yeah, yeah. naked in the, in the, the grocery store. store. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I just think that's cool. It's awesome. Just random. It's yeah. really cool. Um I would love to have or been his second life and then have him wake up and be like, by the way, peace. Yeah, I have like, no idea who you are. I'm leaving. Devastating. <laughs> and you're like, I'm Treadstone, so I was never in this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that is interesting trivia. I also thought that another thing that I read that kind of bummed me out was that the author of the novels passed away yep. the year before, before the movie came out. The movie came out, and I was like, Man, just just hold on a little longer. Just pull through, man. Yeah. Died during post production, which is just a bummer because yeah. this is yeah. a great movie. Well, at least Maybe he, he saw some cuts. At least he saw the the Richard Chamberlain adaptation made, so he got to see his book made in a movie once. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. too bad. It's unfortunate. Um, rest in peace, brother. Rest in peace, absolutely. So uh, you know, you guys know that we do recasts. We always involve you in this. Your recasts are quite frequently more developed and more awesome than ours. Um, but we then then Ben's, <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it so much that you do it. Uh, it's 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 really a lot of fun for us. So so we are going to be recasting Matt Damon, Chris Cooper, and Franca Potente as, as if they are modern as if, day. Yes, as if you were starting Born Identity this franchise with these people now. Appearing in you know winter 2015 mm-hmm. in theaters, Born battling identity. against Star Wars. What what would who would be those three characters? And uh, why do you have to put it up against Star Wars? Well, okay, maybe it would come out the month before. It's kind of not the point, Roxy. I think you're missing the point. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go uh, from the bottom up. <laughs> let's start with Franca. Who, yeah. do you guys, who, do you, who do you guys have for her? Okay, um, I think that this is the only choice. Do you guys know Marianne Cotillard? Yeah, of course. Uh, of course we yeah, do. she would crush this role. This is made for her. She would legitimately be everything. She would and be. she wouldn't be a psychotic and she wouldn't run and she'd probably kick some butt. And she's think? an Oscar winner, so you know, you probably do. Yeah. It depends beautiful. on how old the, and she's the born gorgeous. is. Yeah. Because yeah. she's like a little bit. You think bit... she's too old? No, 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 no. I think that. Chick looks like she's 20. I think she's too yeah, old. Yeah, she. I, what? I think that. She's the best. Born has to be the appropriate age. Yes, I, th- I love Marion Cotillard, and I think she's a phenomenal actress. I went with Alicia Vikander. Vikander. She's in The Man from Uncle. I haven't oh. seen it, but I'm in love with you. I the girl, love you. The hot girl from the trailer you see with the dark hair? The trailer? Dark hair. Yep. Uh, so, she's got an accent. Uh-huh. She could totally play this gypsy character. What did you look up to base this up? I love you! I am so happy you're not a casting director, because the fact that you cast somebody based on a movie you didn't see, but you look, know is out, is look, devastating. I know that she could pull off this role. This role is not incredibly deep. That's true. Uh, she Any girl can play a crazy girl. Okay, I grew up with three sisters and a mom. Anyone could pull it off. All right, I know that she's attractive enough. She <laughs> Any could of look your the sisters part. and your mom could all play this role. No, they could. Be, they can play crazy. Oh. They can get real crazy, real easy. Okay. Uh, I love her. <laughs> I, I almost take offense to that, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's not a slight. It's not a bad thing. It's <laughs> just. I love you, mom. I love you, Leslie, Julie, and Sandra. This is not. Move on. So I went with somebody who I know naturally has a British accent. That we've only ever heard, or I've only ever heard, with a southern accent. Alicia Vikander. And that's Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie on The Walking Dead. A woman who I love to death and think is amazing. And I, she, she feels like she looks the part to me. And I'm imagining if she had the British accent, or if she just put on, like, if she, if she put the German accent on. Yeah. I'm sure she could pull it off. Yeah. 
She's if she can do it, if you can go from British to American, I'm sure you can go from British to German. She was just on one of my TV shows, like Flash or Arrow. She played a, a villain for a minute, Bug Eye something. She's awesome. I love yeah. her. I'm a big fan of her. She's I can such see a that. Fan. Pretty, I'm pretty happy with her first. I think round. she's married to someone, but um, you know who's not married? <laughs> if not, you want you want a lunch date? We're setting up lunch dates. Yeah, me. let's get lunch dates set up. <laughs> um, Chris Cooper. Let's recast Chris Cooper. Let's conquer. else go first. I'm always I'm gonna, having to well, go. Well, we just like you. A character who they yeah. they never even say his name in the movie. No, him yeah. and him and Cox's names are not stated in the whole movie. Yeah. It's only in the credits. It's mm-hmm. only in the credits. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Oh. Okay. 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 Yeah. Fight for it. I'm gonna go with Gary Oldman. That's great. I mean, it, the, you can't ever say that Gary Oldman can't do something. Right. No. I agree with He's that. He's technically perfect. He is amazing. I think I recast him in the last time I was here. He's great. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I went with Michael Shannon. It's really good. Yeah, That's good. I, he's, he's the right age. The look, the age. He's he's a good bad guy. Like mm. in Iceman and in, in Man of Steel, like the dude's just evil. I mean, Gary Oldman is too. Those are great. He's a weird PR person. Didn't you guys just hear that he got locked in a bathroom and <laughs> he had <laughs> on set um, on set and he had these flippers on his hands and he couldn't get out. <laughs> he was late to shoot. And what's happening? Some, this is bullshit. Some person from craft services found him in the bathroom. As a, yeah, it was really like a big deal. He made really that sounds couldn't get him off and was like freaking I, out in the porta potty or something that sounds I like an article <laughs> that sounds like an article you wrote on the onion or like a funnier die sketch right. and, like, and like john c Riley is like playing michael shannon with like flip runners in the hands or something. really just happened he's, he's an interesting dude that is hilarious Bummer for him yeah you can just picture him in the bathroom um anyway uh i want brian cranston i thought about that as well super strong yeah all three of those are great cranston might be the best actually I wanted He's to use great. him but Jason used or uh, someone used him two weeks ago yeah. I was just like eh, I don't want to use that but I love him in that role but then again I hate killing him off but the same way that yeah. I hate killing right. him off in Godzilla of because be... what are you doing yeah. right. spoiler alert it's fair <laughs> uh, alright let's go with our lead I wonder if any of us settled on Ryan Gosling like me uh, he's amazing he's amazing I love Ryan Gosling I can't argue with it I just feel like he doesn't look the part that Jason Bourne looked in the first one. He is too pretty. He's too jacked. Like you think he's prettier than Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Really? I don't. I think Matt Damon's yeah. prettier. Prettier. He's like. I mean, Ryan Gosling's, Ryan Gosling's a heartthrob. Like you see that guy walk in a room, everyone notices him. But Matt Damon was a heartthrob. But when but this character walking in a room, that's not the same thing. I feel like, like I have I, authority on this issue a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, Maybe we should call your sisters in your mouth. We're in touch. Um, <laughs> uh, I went with Miles Teller because he's young. He can play the role. He's a good actor. And he's really and young, he, though. He, he, did you look? Did you see what Matt Damon looked like yeah. at the beginning of this he movie? He looks like he's like 19. That's what the Miles Teller would do the same thing, and he's not shredded. You know, you don't want that. You want him to look like an everyman, almost, that's in shape, that mm. is capable of fighting. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't see Fantastic Four. You did, Rock Rocks. Yeah, I think he's an incredible actor. I saw Whiplash. I saw Fantastic Four. I've seen him in mm-hmm. everything um, from for a long time now. I even saw him. At, what was it? Maze? No, not not Maze. Divergent. One of the, Divergent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's great. I hear he's the biggest dickhead. So yeah. like, so it's Tom Hardy it's though, to, and I love him. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to for me to cast people that I hear are just so obnoxious. And again, I've never met him, so I'm mm-hmm. not saying that firsthand. Maybe he's a great dude, and he had a bunch of off days. Um, but I think he's ridiculously talented. Very talented. Yeah. Um, I went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I think he would be very charming and talkative enough and is the right age to go with Marianne Cotillard. And I 
think that he'd rock. Do you want Christopher Nolan to direct it? Is that is yeah, that we're right. gonna go with next? Get you, you got all Christopher three of them in there. Direct everything. Yeah. So, and this understand. isn't a knock my saying that mine that. is better than both of yours <laughs> for the for, for the cast of Jason Bourne, but what maybe it's just what's what's become of these guys and their careers. Yeah. And you look at Joseph Gordon-Levitt and you look at Ryan Gosling. I just feel like they're too. Like you look at Miles Teller, he's about in that same place that Matt Damon was at in his career. He's on his way up. He's had some massive movies, one of which being an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. But he's not quite like, oh my god, Miles Teller. Whereas Ryan Gosling and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They're the they're a list. They're like the top of the a list. Yeah, you would like massive. Maybe see the actor more than the, that'd be like if Brad Pitt originally played this role. I don't think Man from Uncle Chick would go with Miles Teller. Why? I just don't think she would. Doesn't she look like a straight up supermodel? No, I love you. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> it has nothing to do with his looks. Just the, the way that he portrays himself usually in these roles. He's not like this chick magnet. Well, in in the trailer for Man from Uncle, which is what I have <laughs> there's an extended trailer in the beginning with her driving where she doesn't look like a supermodel. She looks like this chick, and that's why I thought because I, I like thought about it and I was like, okay, I just want to watch the trailer because you know. But when you go and you watch this this moment of her and Henry Cavill driving away, yeah, uh, she doesn't look like she does later in the movie where you're like, okay, this is like the scene in, in Mission Impossible Three when the chick dresses up for the party. And, and then there's like other times when she's like more, yeah, you know, more of like an agent. Whereas later on, she looks like a supermodel. Sure. So I think she can play both parts. Fair. All right. Well, that's our recast, guys. Um, we, Alicia, if you want to come on, let me just take over. <laughs> <laughs> we are at 81 minutes, so we are going to skip through Cage versus Cruz this week. Oh um, my god, I'm so sad about it. Look, I, all, <laughs> all I need to tell you is that if you just basically take the, I can, can I see your quote? The, no, I can six. No, I'm going to do it in. The, I'm going to do it in Nick Cage's voice. <laughs> oh, all right, fine. Remember uh, when we said we were going to skip through? We're going to skip through it. Um, so, I guys, can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars <laughs> outside. <laughs> so, so guys, there are three categories of action movies in our book and those three categories are totally ridiculous totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate the first category being totally totally legit which is like die hard or the fugitive movies that like really feel like they're super strong dramas that have action in them grounded in reality uh, grounded in reality you have totally ridiculous movies that just fall off a cliff of absurdity and that is going to be like face off or con air and then you have movies in the middle which are ridiculously legitimate which is like the combo category the Gen- rock Predator. The Rock, Predator, Speed, movies yeah. that are like great dramas that are action-packed, campy, but also compelling, and don't feel like they just lose credibility for long stretches of time. Right. Um, this movie is totally legitimate. Yeah, I have a heart. I, I don't even have to think about it. Anybody who calls it totally ridiculous is ridiculous. Yeah. It's totally ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think it's totally legitimate. There could, You could make some arguments for ridiculously legitimate i think because like of the, the fugue state yeah and, and like the falling down on the big guy right the headshot flying through the air and the fact that there's snow on the ground but nobody slips yeah, yeah. just things like that but th- that's just like when you're get- that's like nitpicking right this movie's totally legitimate oh i i, I when you want to nitpick this movie let me know I'm, okay i'm nitpick with you guys <laughs> i hear you but yeah i think it's totally legitimate yeah, I would, I would say In so. In a great too. way. Totally yeah. legit. Totally. Um, so that pretty much wraps it up, guys. Too that's, legit. That's uh, 83. I think that might be our longest show to date. We just... Uh, did you want to keep dancing? Too legit. <laughs> too legit to quit. Mm-hmm. Too uh, legit. So that does it for Action Movie Anatomy this week, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much, Roxy Stryer, for being our lovely guest. We love having you, Roxy. We Please. Love you. I love being Make here. her come on the show every week. If you guys Make her do it. Tweet at everybody and just let her know that you want her as the permanent guest. Uh, you know, we'd love to have her. You she guys just, are the best. Thank you. She just doesn't return my phone calls. So, um, 
Only on Tuesdays. You know, <laughs> I've sent you. I've sent you numerous MySpace messages, and I've gotten nothing back. Oh, Twitter DMs. <laughs> Twitter DMs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, guys, if if you want an action movie anatomy mug, one more time, I'm going to plug this one last time. Let's clean if it up. You want an action movie anatomy mug? Step one: get us ten written reviews on iTunes. Search for action movie anatomy on iTunes and rate and review. You have to just write a review. Doesn't even have to be a positive one, honestly. No, I prefer it to be positive, yeah. but it doesn't have to be. And I want your recast on YouTube. We want your recast on YouTube. But the first thing to do is get us to ten reviews on iTunes, and we will start auctioning, ra- no, raffling, random drawing mug giveaways. So right. do that if you want to tweet at any of us. Let us know your thoughts on the episode or the show. You can tweet at me at Ben Bateman Media. I am at Andrew Guy at Roxy Stryer. And I think we're all on Instagram under the same thing, except for me. I don't have Instagram. Fair enough. That's our show, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.